Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to BAFTA and uh, this special screening of Loving Vincent. I'm Jason Solomons. Absolute pleasure to be here as ever, especially with a film that, as a film critic and presenter, I've been watching movies for many, many years. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this um, before. So what we're going to do is find out how, why uh, they made it, and on this special Starry Starry Night, uh, find out from more of the people who were in it. So we'll get on with it very, very quickly indeed. Would you please welcome the writer, producer, creator, inspiration behind it, Hugh Welshman. Uh, and uh, every creative needs, uh, needs some solidity behind him, some producing heft. Would you please welcome the producer, Ivan McTaggart. Uh, and to bring it uh, to sparkling life, you need some performers as well. And we've got two fantastic ones tonight. Uh, playing Armand, Douglas Booth. and a luminous Louise Chevalier, Helen McCrory. No more surprise guests. That's just there to leave you, leave you hanging. Um, <laughs> what's going to happen is that I will, I'll, I'll hog the guests for a little bit, if I may, and then we'll open it up to you, because uh, it's the sort of film that you see immediately, Hugh, and then you think, well, how on earth did they do that? And so I think that's the first question that you see when you first see the, the frame of it. So I'm gonna, it's the first question I've got to put to you. How on earth did you do that? Well, I mean, the easiest thing is to, to think of Wallace and Gromit and puppet animation, and they move, you know, puppets on a set a little bit, take a photograph, a little bit, take a photograph. We were moving oil paint on a canvas. Um, and so uh, every single frame is uh, an oil painting, uh, we did it 12 frames per second, and obviously uh, we had our actors and actresses in the film, and uh, Vincent had real people in front of him when he was painting them, and so we wanted our painters to have real actors with amazing performances, and then they had the very stressful job of, of you know, uh, bringing that performance to life through the application of paint frame by frame, and so that, that's what we did. So, Douglas, was it, like, was it like sitting for a portrait, like, a hundred times a day? No, not really. It was actually more just like making a normal film, just that the only thing was we filmed it at an extremely quick rate. I remember we did, uh, like, three and a half, four weeks, did the whole film. Um, and we, were, we did it on green screen with pretty basic sets that were made to be identical to um, the Red Cafe or um, Adeline, um, Eleanor Thompson's Cafe. Um, it was so. It was kind of. It wasn't actually for us too much different. Um, we just were working at a quick pace. Um, but the fact that this was seven years from conception to uh, to the final finished product, I, I I had I was only I only did a little bit of work on this. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's very impressive work and it's very different work. I suppose it comes out. Well, you don't when you see the whole thing. Yeah. You, you, kind of, uh, you can't uh, remember it from the day that you, you were shooting it. It kind I of looks so different. Yeah, I suppose so. And it's what's so nice is that normally when you film a movie, it is. Your performance is on screen and you're there alone. This, we really, I, I really shared it with other artists. It was my interpretation of the character and, and their also interpretation of my performance through the paint and, and the world that I was existing in. So it was nice to share that with another artist for once. 
Helen, you, we see at the end of the film that you've just seen, you see the sort of sketches that, that, that inspired the character and also the painting, the original painting of your character. Have you seen that painting? Um, when, when, I, when we first met, I was shown a, a picture of the gizzard hunchback that they'd <laughs> cast me as. Yeah, so I took off the corset, relaxed, and acted for about five days. I think we did all our scenes. So yeah, we, we, we were shown that, you know, then that was useful. And then after that, it was a matter of, as Douglas says, of working on green screen. And uh, we've all got quite used to that now. Did you, did you know about Van Gogh? Did you know about the, his style and the characters while you, or did you go from the text that you were given, from, just do, do yeah, the Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd gone, you know, when I was 17 and sat there for days and looked at the potato eaters and realized it's only slightly bigger than the postcard you just bought in the shop. And, um, and, and known him as this tortured artist uh, who'd cut off the ear and, and everything. But really what, was, what I think is beautiful about the film is that at the end of it, having, for me, known Van Gogh for 30 years in my way, that it's a, I have a completely different view of him. Not, not just a great artist who suffered not only from mental illness, probably, alcoholism, probably, um, and the fact that nobody ever bought his work, um, but also that actually at the end of the film you feel that this was a man who maybe, perhaps, took the rap for someone else. And even dying, never, ever told on him. And so he wasn't just a great artist, he was a great man. Mm. And I think that that actually is, is more important in the long run. Arguably. It, well, it's, it, it's fascinating because it, it's great to have all the Van Gogh tableau and you can do the painting and you can do the animation and you can make it all come to life and people will say, well, that's marvellous, Hugh, well done, that's very clever. But if you haven't got a story to go with it or something that draws you in, that brings these things to life, like Helen says, it's almost a, a mystery that's going on, a detective story that Armand's doing, then you, you haven't got a movie, really. When, did you, when, did, you, when did you discover... The, what, what sort of took over from the, being a, just a technique exercise into actually the story? Well, you know, you, you can't make any film as a technique because film is a storytelling medium. So, um, <clears throat> and, and uh, this started out as uh, my, my wife's project. Uh, she wanted to, to paint it entirely herself as a short film. Um, and but even as a short film, you need to have a, a story that's going to grip people. There's only so far you can go with visuals. And, and that was the scary process with this film because we knew it was going to take years, involve lots of artists, and we're putting ourselves out there and, and reimagining the work of, of a, a great artist who's beloved to millions. So um, yeah, you've got to do justice to his work, but you also have to have, an, an, you've got to do justice to the real history, but most of all you need to have, have a story. And, and it, was, it was quite a natural process to become a mystery story because the idea was always to bring his paintings to life to speak for him. Mm. And uh, a lot of the characters that you see in the film actually made statements about Vincent after his death. So, and those statements contradict each other. Um, and so when we were starting to, to develop them, we had this conflict going on already. And also, as we're looking into the, the history, and, and one of our main questions is, why did Vincent commit suicide then? Because you know, things were going relatively well for him. I mean, he had an incredibly troubled adult life, um, but things were going relatively well at that particular moment. He just sold his first painting. Uh, he'd had a great review in the papers. Monet, who was already a rich man at that stage, um, 
uh, declared that he was, was the most exciting new artist coming through. Mm. Uh, he was close to his brother. He was physically healthier than he had been for 10 years. And yet this was the time he took his life. So we started looking into this. And then when you start looking into that, there, there are endless theories about what his, his state of mind was and what happened to him. And so we had to sift through it like mm. detectives to try and come up with what was the, the best solution. And you used letters and you used <coughs> fragments, you used uh, newspaper articles. Where, where is all this uh, clue? Well, I mean, we worked with the Van Gogh Museum for four years. Um, so, you know, I'd go there and meet their senior researchers and they'd give me reading lists and homework and I'd go away and do my homework and um, uh, come back to them with, with, with questions in terms of, you know, and I'd come back to them and I'd say, well, look, this conflicts with this and why does it and what's the truth? And they might say, well, actually, we're still arguing about it and we don't know. And, and actually, um, I, I was there last week because we had our Dutch premiere in, in the museum and the Van Gogh Museum said to me, uh, the, the senior researcher said that they're actually now looking into whether Dr. Gachet might have shared medical information about uh, Theo's condition, uh, which was something we entirely made up. And now they're actually looking that that could be a, a serious contender for, for the, the final straw for, for him committing suicide. So that was a nice surprise. Well, so you've done some, you know, some, you've revealed some new evidence, uncovered some, but you've made it up, though. We made it up. Which is filmmaker's license. Um, Ivan, when, you, when you're sort of working on a, raising the finance for a project like this, it seems to me that you don't know what you've got till you've actually got it sometimes. You, you must have fragments, you must have bits to show people. How do you go around convincing people that there's a, there, there's a sort of feature-length movie? In yeah, it's tricky. I mean, you, you always... So I've been raising finance for many, many decades, and, and you go and see financiers, and, and they say lots of things to you, but all they're actually saying is, what film exactly the same as this has made a ton of money before? And so when you say to them, well, there's never been a film like this before, there maybe never will be one like this again, it's, you know... It's, thanks very much, bye. So we really were... But what we did have as an asset was that Hugh and Dorota had made a very brief 90-second concept trailer in 2012. And in fact, Hugh and I were introduced through a mutual friend and, and uh, we at Trademark Films had a project we wanted to shoot in Poland. So I'd asked about Polish producers we could talk to. So we were put together and I said, well, we have this project. And Hugh, being a producer as well, said, well, that's all very well, but actually I have a, a project. Um, and it's this animation. And I said, well, that's, that's fine, but in fact, we don't do animation. And, and he said, well, just watch this trailer. And people may have seen it on YouTube. It's 90 seconds long. It's got the wheat filled with crows and, and various people talking, a sort of rudimentary iteration of some of what you've seen just now. And I was just bewitched for 90 seconds and at the end just said, okay, now we do animation. Let's, let's make this happen. <laughs> and really what we found is when we went out to financiers, they either got it or they didn't. We had a lot of private equity in, in the film. We had some support from the Polish Film Institute. But above all, we had a, a group of people that saw that and other bits and pieces that were made along the way. And it just clicked for them. And they just understood why it was exciting, why people would want to see it. And frankly, they took a leap of faith. And unusually, it was really like you know the church roof thermometer where you raise money, you've got to raise this much money. We had one of those kind of thermometers that kept filling up and then going down as we'd spend the money, and then it was just about to run out, fill up a bit more. We'd sort of raise a dollar, spend a dollar. And uh, in the end, we got far enough down the line that we got Silver Reel to come in and finish off the financing with a, with a solid slug to get us over the line, and we were there. But it was um, a long and 
unpredictable and hair-raising process, I think, is the answer. Given, given that no one had done it before, given that no one had, you, did you know the techniques you would be using going into it? Did you know you'd need 100 painters doing it by hand? Did you know how the actors were going to work in that situation? I mean, you, you won uh, an Oscar for Peter and the Wolf. Belated congratulations. I know it was a while ago, but, uh, but out of that little acorn comes this mighty ogre of a film, but it's a very different kind of technique. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we used... Um, a lot of techniques that I'd, I'd used in, in previous films or, or commissioned work that, that I'd done. So in terms of uh, puppet and the puppet animation infrastructure was similar to the infrastructure. I'd done live action and visual effects before, so we were incorporating uh, that. Um, and uh, we, were, we were doing some, for the, the, the reference material, we, we were using computer animation as well. Um, so while everything in the final analysis is painted, we used everything we could in, in different combinations to best match the paintings. And um, I think the scariest thing for me um, was the fact that on previous films I hired animators. You know, you kind of get CVs, you see how much experience they have, you, you look at their showreel. And here we had to completely create our workforce from scratch because there just aren't animators out there who, or there's only a very, very tiny number who paint oil paint to the level that, that we needed. Even if they're painting animators, the type of oil painting we needed was very, very tough. Um, so we had to train um, 125 painters. Um, to be honest, we could have done it with less. It, because of the financing problems that, that we had, um, we only started out with 20 painters, whereas, whereas we wanted to have 40 painters over two and a half years. And we started out with 20, and our deadline was always the same. And once we closed the money, it was like, OK, now we need 100 painters. And, and that was a moment like, OK, we need to train them all at the same time that we're still doing animation and uh, integrate them into to the studio. So uh, that was exciting. Mm -hmm. Did you, <laughs> did you uh, get any painting tips? Are you, a landscape Are you going up for the landscape challenge anytime soon? I'm not a very good painter, no. But I did go over and see them. <clears throat> and it was extraordinary. Because you had so many painters, to keep the same quality and to make sure the film looked um, similar. You know, they didn't, the star wasn't going all over the place. They had these heads of department that would check every frame or every... It depends on how long people have been on it. At the beginning, people had every frame approved. So they'd go there, they'd paint this frame, and then they'd kind of have to report to the office <laughs> and get it made to check that it was, everything was lining up and it, the quality was the same. And the audition process, you auditioned thousands of painters, right, from all over the world. We had, had 5,000 applications. We chose 500 to do three-day auditions, mm. and we selected 125 people who did 200 hours of intensive training, 100 hours in Van Gogh style, 100 hours in animation. And then it, and then it, I mean, you, I spoke to a painter who, I said, oh, how long, this, oh, great, 25 second, 30 second clip. How long, how long have you been painting that for? Five months. Um. <laughs> do, you, do you, when you saw the technique, because obviously it must have helped as a performer to sort of know how it might look in, in, the, in the end game, do you, did you modulate your performance? Do you think, well, is this going to be a facial close-up? Well, I'm going to do the art. I'm going to sort of... Is there some Van Gogh-ness that you can put into your own facial control? I was so short-sighted. I thought you were talking to Douglas. Uh, okay. um, <laughs> I was like... It's an asking uh, question, so um, I think, open to the uh, Not really. I asked the question, do I need to do anything different? Yeah. And it's amazing, because, I mean, the, 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 uh, the canvas is about this big. Yeah. So, yeah, they're about this big, and actually... 
it's remarkable how much they can pick up, just little flicks of the eyes and this and that when, you're, when they work in that detail. And actually, it's, it's up to that artist yeah. what they bring. You know, they flush your cheeks, they put the twinkle in, they can do, it's their kind of interpretation, but not really performance-wise. Did you? No, but it's quite interesting. What, what, when I was watching it, I started to get my favourite painters. You know, suddenly there'd be a scene and I'd go, oh, they're really good. Mm. They're re I really like that style. Or, or other things that would be slightly changed. Like, oh, I don't like, you know, oh, but that frame, you know. You, could, you can see people's thumbprints mm -hmm. on a screen and that's quite lovely. But what, didn't, didn't my character have to travel through different st Van Gogh styles in a certain way? Yes, Claire is, we're, we're happy that for the main character we chose someone with a yellow jacket because, you know, you can't really miss it. Whatever style he goes into, you know it's him, you know. So. The, 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 the point about sort of making a film like this, I said it is sort of how did you do it originally? But I think my second question on seeing it is why did you do it? Mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't, and I don't mean that, I mean that in the most yeah. kind of polite and inquisitive way possible. Well, you know, I can't take the blame for coming up with the idea. That was my wife's idea. Um, so uh, she actually trained as a painter. Um, and then, like, when she graduated, she was getting her work in the film industry, in the animation industry in, in Poland. And she just really missed painting. She wanted to go back to being a painter, but it's not such a great career move uh, for, for most of them. Um, and so she decided that she was going to paint a film. It was going to be a seven-minute film, and she'd do it entirely herself. And you know, she was going to actually bring her own paintings um, to life to tell a story. And then she decided in the research phase that she was going to, for, you know, artistic comfort, reread the Vincent's letters, which she'd first read when she was 15. And um, when she was rereading it, she was actually uh, 29, which was when Vincent started becoming a painter. Mm. And, and, you know, May came out of this deep depression after failing miserably at four careers. And it made such a huge impression of her that she decided that she wanted to bring his paintings to life to tell his story. And, and that's really appropriate with Vincent because he painted his world. Most painters, they do mythological scenes or religious scenes or, you know, they, they have particular uh, things that they, they concentrate on. Whereas, you know, Vincent painted everything. He painted his shoes. He painted his bedroom, the view from his bedroom. You know, he painted his food, the person serving the food, his postman, his letters. So you can actually start to bring out, uh, 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 get a sense of, of, of the world through Vincent's eyes mm. in a way that you couldn't with, with another story. But, but definitely it was that, that very strong emotional connection. And, and, and from my part, it's, I didn't really know that much about Vincent when I met her. You know, I fell in love with her and then I fell in love with her project, um, you know, looking over her shoulder. Uh, what she was doing, and um, I, I had no idea about the real story of, of Vincent, mm. and I was I was so moved by it and intrigued by it um, that, that I really couldn't think of doing anything else, and 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 I did have exactly that moment that Ivan had, uh, which was you know before I showed it to him I, I, when we'd finished the concept trailer because Jorotta was going oh it's going to look like this it's going to look like this and I was like okay let's just do a test and you can show me what you, it's going to look like. And then when I saw the results, I, I was convinced that I wouldn't do anything else until we finished this film. To the point where you sort of look a bit like Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> I don't know if that's started. Well, you know, if, if any of you had seen, seen pictures of me or, or met me, you know, five years ago, I, I look nothing like this. So I think, I think all, all of that research and all of that work just slowly is morphing me. Into, yeah. And this, this being your first feature, and obviously towering achievement, is to just, you know, stick around. I know he saw one painting and then kind of... 
checked yeah. out. You, you stick around. No, no, yeah, you no, don't. <laughs> don't want to get that. So I think it's time to open up the uh, the, the floor to, to questions for, for our, our panel as well. I know there are many that come from it, so I sort of lazily let them take over at this point. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, I'm really delighted that you could bring this the magic to the screen. I had the, the best chance, not realising I was coming to see this this week, that I was actually in the Musée d'Orsay eight days ago, standing in front of Starry Night, and there was nobody else around me. And I was just mesmerised and starstruck. It's, it's, he paints magic, and he paints movement. And I, I, didn't know that, I didn't even know then that he'd killed himself. I should have known, but... Tonight, I've, I've got the whole story, and I love the mystery. But thank you for bringing the magic. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, I, I was actually there last week as well, and, and uh, I was looking at that beautiful, beautiful painting, and I was like, ah, oh, we got the colour slightly wrong. But uh, <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> and there is one, one aspect I completely forgot. Now, you mentioned the magic and starry, starry night. Of course, we heard Leanne Le Havis's song, uh, of Don McLean's version, playing it out, which is beautiful. But also, uh, Clint Mansell, uh, mm. the composer, adds, uh, and, and, uh, which obviously in paintings you don't have, but his, his paintings do sort of throb with a sort of musicality. We, we pursued him for two years to do the film because De Rotter had always said, I mean, you, you were, the script was being written to his scores and it was always this idea that it was, he was the only person that could score this film and he just didn't realise it for two years. <laughs> until in the, end, in the end he gave up. And then yeah. having pursued him and we prostrated ourselves before him and said, look, nobody else can score this. It must, must, must be you. He finally agreed, and then mm. we had to negotiate the deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a perfect time. It is a beautiful score, I must say, absolutely. Uh, there's a, yes, uh, what, a gentleman there in the, in the middle with his... He was very quick. So my question is, did you shoot all the live action before the painting began? And what was the time gap between the end of a live action shoot and the finished film? Well, in, in terms of, we, we had a, a group of 20 painters who were doing design paintings because there were various challenges in reimagining Vincent's um, still artwork into a moving you know, art form. Um, so, uh, we did have, have a, a design process before the live action shoot, but probably it's easier if, if I, I go from the end. So the last two years were spent painting. Uh, the six months before that was editing and preparation of the reference materials for the painters. Um, and then we had four weeks of shooting, two weeks with our main actors here in London and two weeks doing uh, B-roll um, shooting of the wides in Poland. And then the four years before that was uh, the R&D, setting up the pipeline, the design painting, the script writing, and also very importantly in this case, um, or in all cases, the, the, the financing. Um, so that was, was done over a period of four years. There you go, you remember it very well. Oh, <laughs> every step of the way. Uh, the, the lady there with the stripe. Um, hey, I was just wondering if every still in the film is a dry canvas, or is there does one canvas make several stills and what happened to them yeah. after the film was done? Okay, my favorite question. <laughs> um, so let's say I am a painting and someone paints that picture and in the shot, uh, I just turn my head in one second. Uh, they would do the first frame, which would probably take them between half a day and, and two days, depending on the difficulty. Uh, they would then rub out the face, repaint it there, rub out the face, repaint it there, 
rub out the face, repaint it there. And I mean, in the black and white style, it, it was more like oil painting on glass. We could move the paint on the canvas around. But the trouble is with the Van Gogh style is very often they had like very particular brush strokes. And so they actually had to stop motion animate the brush strokes across the canvas. So for, um, we, for every shot, we had one canvas, apart from the really big shots, like you know the opening shot at the beginning, that was so big, it was 636 paintings, that we divided it between three different canvases and three different artists, um, which was combined to six months each artist, so 18 months to do that one shot. Um, so we ended up with, uh, eight, we have 845 shots in the film, so we have around 900 canvases from the film, which are last frames of the film, and we have the design paintings. A uh, uh, hundred of them were sold to the public uh, during uh, making the film. 150 went to financiers and to actors, um, and then 120 of them are going on display in Den Bosch uh, in Nord Brabant Museum. Uh, Nord Brabant's where Vincent comes from. And that's in, in Holland, and they're going on display on Friday, which is why Dorota, unfortunately, can't be here, because she's working on the exhibition. And the rest of them are going to be sold. Mm. Did, they get, did they get one? Uh, I have yeah. two. You, only two? Two, or do I have three? Oh, including your yeah, parents. I yeah. bet my parents put one there. Yeah. So <laughs> Helen's, Helen's still deciding. I, I know. They very, very generously offered me pictures of myself, but um, I explained I actually prefer a picture of someone else. So I'm getting to choose. Thank you very much. Nice. Um, they, they can't be. They're very good, but no one's going to get. They're not going to go for like 85 million forgeries. <laughs> <It might. laughs> uh, no, no, no. They're, 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 they're you know, they're a piece, piece of the film. Yeah, you know? so, they're film history. Um, so you know, they're more like the beautiful. Um, Could do with one at BAFTA. We need one. Isn't David David, David Parfit? I notice is is. Ex-chairman, yeah, he's, ex -chairman. he's an executive producer of the, of the exec film. Yeah. So yes, I'm sure he could arrange for BAFTA to buy yeah. one. That's <laughs> <laughs> where your finances are going. Um, I mean, the one quick, we're going to have to go very quickly, but one question I really need to know, what, what do you call this? What is this new genre? What, is, what, what do you call this film? Well, I mean, we were always thinking that we're making a painted film, you know, because of the combination of, of, of uh, animation and, and live action. Um, but, you know, there, there turned out to be so much animation involved in the, in the Van Gogh style that it is painting animation. So I, th I think it's definitely in the genre of animation uh, with just an incredibly substantial contribution from our fantastic, you know. Uh, so it's an animated category it would come into as yes. such, just in yeah. case you were one day going, well, when is that first feature as well, I suppose? Yes. Breakthrough, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, very fascinating. Do we have time for one more? Do we, have, we don't have, no. I'm afraid, that's like an auctioneer <laughs> at Christie's. We don't, but please thank Hugh Welshman, Ivan McTaggart, Douglas Booth, and Helen McCrory. <laughs> <laughs>